welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. And a very, very good day to you, my friend. And welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I'm going to tell you again and again and again, if you keep listening, avoid the downs and savor the ups. That's right. Just like that little merry-go-round when you were a kid, you liked when it went up, but you didn't like so much when it went down because your stomach turned, right? Well, that's the same thing here. I want you to avoid the downs and savor the ups both in the law and in your personal life. You know why? Because downs are a downer, my friend. Who wants all that negativity? Involve yourself with positivity. Involve yourself with the good things and savor them and try to avoid, sidestep, get rid of quickly anything and everything that brings you down. Well, okay, so today, as you know, is Monday. And that means that here on the legal merry-go-round, it is marital Mondays. And that means I'm going to be talking about things having to do with marriage and uh, all the things that are revolve in the law around marriage. And lo and behold, today, I'm going to be talking about common law marriage. You say, common law marriage? What is that? Well, I'm going to just get right into this because there's some very, very important things that you have to know if you've been living with your lover uh, about whether it's legal or not. So let's talk to begin with about the difference between marriage and common law marriage. Marriage is a legal union between two people that requires a license and a ceremony in most states. But there are a handful of states, yes, indeed, I think there's nine plus the District of Columbia, if you and your partner have been living together and behaving as if you are married, you may have what's come to be known as a common law marriage. Now, it's not automatic. There are rules that you must follow. But if you do, you can claim many of the financial benefits that a traditionally married couple receives. And so you might say, well, who cares? What's the difference? I love him. I love her. You know, whatever it is, uh, why do we have to go through the ceremony? Well, the reason ultimately becomes one of uh, finances. And really, that's what it's about sometimes, unfortunately, that green dollar bill. And how does that rear its ugly head? It does if one partner dies, who gets the stuff? Is there a will? It has to do with income taxes. It has to do with other benefits. And I'm going to go through all of these. Now, I don't want you to confuse a common law marriage, by the way, with what is called a civil union which is a legal relationship between two people that confers rights only on the state level, right? The state level. Before same-sex marriage uh, became a thing, became legal in all 50 states, 
civil unions were primarily a way for same-sex couples to have a legally recognized relationship. Not all states recognize civil unions, which means they may not be valid if you move to another state. And whether a couple is same or opposite sex uh, marriage, a civil union provides no federal protections or benefits. Again, civil unions only relate to state benefits. However, common law marriages qualify for many of the same rights as a marriage with a legal state license. All right, so I want to hit a couple of things. I'm going to call these some takeaways just as a you know, if you're looking at a uh, a table of contents, these are the these are some of the chapters, okay? And I'm going to get into them. People who meet their state's common law marriage requirements will be eligible for most of the financial benefits, including federal benefits, of a married couple. Now, common law marriage people who move outside of a state in which they established a common law marriage, I'm going to say to you, you absolutely need to check with an attorney regarding your status after the move. Now, that is notwithstanding that virtually every state recognizes a marriage that was formed as a common law marriage in a state where a common law marriage was allowed. But nonetheless, you still, I'm going to tell you, my friends, you need to go and just check this out with a lawyer. Now, to end a common law marriage, the relationship should be legally dissolved to resolve any liability for support of an ex-spouse. Let's talk about a legal marriage. In many jurisdictions, getting married requires being wed by an ordained minister or some other person who has recognized authority to carry out a legal marriage. This can be done either in a religious setting or in a non-denominational or secular setting, such as a city hall or a courthouse. Here, a marriage license is issued and officially recorded. In our country, most states require a legal marriage in order for a couple to exercise spousal benefits such as filing a joint tax return, sharing financial accounts, and more, which I'll get into. A common law marriage, on the other hand, will recognize a couple as equivalent to legally married, even if the pair never said their vows in a civil or religious ceremony and do not have a marriage license. Now, while states don't have official rules in the books regarding common law marriage, there are certain conditions that have to be met for a couple to be considered married by common law. One of those I'm going to just share with you before I get to like five or six of these is a, a misconception. So understand this, listen to this. If you think you're legally married because you've lived together for seven years or more, uh, legally married being by common law marriage, you've lived together for seven years or more, that just doesn't exist. There is no state in the United States, even those that accept the common law marriage concept, there is no deadline or timeline or minimum line for which you have to be living together in order to be able to declare that you are married by common law understanding. So get that out of your head. It's got nothing to do with how long you've been living together. So here are the 
the general requirements to uh, be in a position to uh, declare and share with the world and with each other that you are married by common law understanding. Number one, you must be living together in a state that recognizes common law marriages. Okay, again, I'm going to list those in a few minutes. There's nine plus Washington, uh, D.C. Number two, live together for a significant period of time. Uh, again, I just got finished saying that some people believe that it's seven or ten years is the required time span, but no state provides a specific time frame for cohabitation or for living together. It just must be a significant period of time. Number three, you introduce yourselves to friends, neighbors, and coworkers as a married couple, calling each other my husband or my wife, and even using the same last name. Also, you must file a joint tax return and have joint bank accounts and credit cards. In the second half of the show, I'm going to come back and talk about the very interesting and sometimes somewhat complicated uh, discussion about the Internal Revenue Service and taxes and what have you. Number four, and I think this makes common sense, right? Common sense, common law marriage, number four requirement, you must be of sound mind. And number five, you can't be married to anybody else. All right, well, that kind of makes sense too. The bottom line is that Couples who move out of the state in which they are established a common law marriage need to be aware that all states recognize a common law marriage that a couple illegally entered into in another state, providing they met the requirements of the other state. However, after the move, they may want again, as I mentioned, sit down with an attorney in the new state to be sure they meet the legal requirements and obligations required to maintain their rights as a married couple. Keeping good records, as an example, particularly if you move around a lot, can help when it comes to claiming federal benefits. And if a common law couple decides to part ways, even, there's, uh, even, even though there's no such thing as a common law divorce, you're still going to need to have your relationship legally resolved. This relates to the fact that a person in a common law marriage could be liable for providing the same type of support for their ex-spouse as someone in a legally binding marriage might be required to do after the divorce. Okie dokie. So what is the financial impact of a common law marriage? Couples recognized as married by common law enjoy many of the same benefits as the traditional legally married couples providing they have lived in a state that recognizes the common law for most of their marriage. These benefits include, number one, eligibility to receive Social Security benefits, but they're going to need to prove the number of years they've lived together in a common law state. Number two, qualifying for employer benefits through their spouse, uh, something like health insurance as an example. Number three, exemption from the gift tax. Good. Number four, unlimited marital exemptions for their estate up to the federal estate tax limit, of course. Number five, claiming deductions for mortgage interest if they co-own a house and children, if applicable. Number six, inheritance of their spouse's property as long as their valid will exists. But if a spouse dies without a will, and here's one of the differences, their children and other family members will have inheritance, inheritance rights 
and the surviving spouse will not have them. Very, very important distinction with the difference between a traditional marriage and a common law marriage. When one dies, common law marriage, the surviving spouse basically gets nothing. The uh, children and other family members would be able to take. The last one, use of a medical power of attorney designating their common law spouse as the person rather than another family member uh, who will take medical decisions when they're incapable of making their own. Now, many of those benefits can help save money. This is, again, unfortunately, what it all comes down to. Having one shared health plan instead of purchasing two separate plans, for example, could save the couple thousands of dollars a year. If a state recognizes common law marriage and a couple does not want to be seen as married, they need to sign something like a contract, a living together contract, especially if they own property together or use the same last name. Now, why is that? Well, because if there is a breakup or a death, relatives may want to make claims or on a breakup, one or the other want to make up claims. And if you have that contract that says that, hey, we're just living together, then those claims would be immediately extinguished. Common law couples get to enjoy financial and legal benefits of marriage in most cases, but they could be vulnerable to some of the potential downsides. If one spouse buys property on their own and the other spouse is not on the deed, for instance, the property can be sold without their consent. To get around this problem, I would suggest major assets should be bought using co-ownership agreements. To be on the safe side, obligations and rights should be reviewed. Again, I'm going to push you to an attorney who understands common law marriage. All right, before I hit the break, and after the break, I'm going to come back and talk about that all-important IRS discussion and I want to talk about a couple of very interesting cases. I just want to hit the states that recognize common law marriages, nine of them in the District of Columbia. Colorado, uh, if you con- contracted on or before, or after, I should say, contracted on or after September 1st, 2006, you must be 18 or older and not prohibited by other law. Iowa, intended for the purpose of support for dependents, but otherwise not prohibited. Interesting. Kansas, both man and woman or man and man and woman and woman must be capable of making the commitment, must be 18 or older to marry, and must represent themselves as married in the community. Montana, it's not prohibited and it's not invalidated by the state's marriage chapter. Okay, go to Montana and read the marriage chapter. Eh, Okay. New Hampshire, common law marriages cannot be formed but can be recognized solely for inheritance purposes. When an estate is being settled after uh, one of the partners dies, if the couple lived together for three years prior to the death. Okay, a little asterisk there with New Hampshire. In Rhode Island, both man and woman or man and man and woman and woman must intend to be married and act as if they are, live together and present themselves as married to friends and family. Okay, moving south down to South Carolina, South Carolina allows for marriage without a valid license, and there's no specific laws on common law marriage, just pretty open. In the great state of Texas, 
both members of the couple must consent to be married, live together, and tell others they're married. Now moving north and west, Utah, both partners must be able to agree to the marriage, and others must know them as a married couple. So those are the nine states and in Washington, D.C. In addition, by the way, some states have what we call grandfathered common law marriages, meaning that only those unions or marriages that meet the state requirements for a common law marriage by a specified date will be recognized. Those states and the dates are Alabama, January of 2017, Georgia, January of 1997, Idaho, January of 1996, Ohio, go figure this, October of 1991, Oklahoma, November of 1998, and Pennsylvania, uh, January of 2005, and in Pennsylvania, in addition, the partners must exchange vows to be married. So a little asterisk there in that wonderful state of Pennsylvania. Okay, I'm going to come back after the break, and I want to talk about a couple of examples of common law marriage, which I found to be just really fascinating. And then I'm going to go into the all-important discussion of how a common law marriage weaves in and out with sometimes what can be called the very complicated rules of the Internal Revenue Service. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Okie dokie. So this one is just beyond comprehension. I mean, the actual stupidity of a radio station here and you've heard of, uh, you know, false advertising. So a woman named Kathy McGowan wins a local radio competition that claimed she would receive a car for her correct answer. Well, they gave her a car. It was a toy car that she got in the mail. So, you know, what do you do? You file a lawsuit for misleading, false advertising. Absolutely, Kathy. Way to go. She wins. The judge orders her to be given a brand new Renault Clio. Good for her. And again, stupid radio station? Goodness. What did they think was going to happen? Oh, yeah, sure. We're going to treat you to dinner. Here's a cornflake. Ah, you could just never tell about some people. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, 
Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. Here we are back to the second half of this Marital Monday showing of the Legal Merry-Go-Round, talking today about common law marriage. This might be called marriage without the ring. Oh, come on. Give the other one ring. Give, give Give your spouse a ring. That's nice. You know, it doesn't have to be you know, the, uh, the highest end diamond. I mean, just, but get a ring. That would be nice. All right. Common law marriage. I told you in the first half, I'm going to come back and talk about a couple of very interesting cases. And then to conclude, I want to talk about the IRS rules as relates to common law marriages. And this is, uh, this is a case out of San Antonio involving Wow, a mega, mega multi-millionaire personal injury attorney by the name of Thomas J. Henry. He's trying to separate from his longtime partner, and this is uh, back a couple of years already, But, and I'm going to share with you right now, I don't know the results, but this is just so interesting. And why don't I know the result? Well, Mr. Henry wouldn't take my phone call, and uh, there's just nothing reported anywhere. And uh, even though I do have a couple of friends in Texas, they didn't know either. But anyway, the, the, the setup for this is really interesting. So Mr. Henry tried to separate from his longtime partner, Azteca Henry. The fly in the ointment is that Thomas and Azteca were married in 1999 and divorced six years later in 2005. But they continue to live together in 2019 when Thomas moves out, becoming involved in a relationship with another woman, Evelyn Crossland. Now, there's no legal process in Texas as a common law divorce. Thomas claims that he and Azteca already divorced, and he's right. It's on the books. But Azteca claims that they were still married in the common law sense because they continued to live together uh, for 14 more years and to present themselves to the world as a married couple. The two agreed to have a separate trial to determine if they're still legally married before they proceeded to what would be a common law divorce. Now, the splitting up makes the process more logical. If there's not a marriage, then the treatment of joint assets and liabilities is much different than if the parties are married. If there's a marriage, then they gather data and present facts to determine what's to be done with the community estate. Texas has adopted an option for couples Um, who don't want marital vows but still want to be married, they can file a declaration of informal marriage. Think of this kind of like a certificate of marriage filed by the parties following the rules in the family code there in Texas and reflecting the date they chose to declare that their marriage began. Interesting case. Um, If I'm Azteca, given the millions and millions of dollars that are there, 
uh, I got a feeling she's going to come out okay regardless of the determination as to whether or not they actually had a common law marriage. But what do I know? I, uh, you know, I, I only look up and, and think about that kind of money. All right. Well, here's one where I can tell you what's going to happen. This was in Iowa. The Court of Appeals ultimately said that a common law marriage had been established. Very, very interesting case. It's well known that few people in the U.S. are getting married uh, as much as had been in the past. According to the CDC, marriage rates in the U.S. have been in a steady decline since the 1980s. Conversely, cohabitation rates are steadily rising, and Iowa made note of this in their opinion. A recent case from the Iowa Court of Appeals shows us that sometimes a cohabitation relationship can lead to a common law marriage. This means that when the relationship ends, the party can seek standard dissolution remedies such as alimony or an equitable property uh, division. Now, it's not always easy to prove a common law marriage, but given facts of this case, it wasn't so difficult, at least according to the judges. At the time the case arose in 2013, the parties had been involved in a relationship for more than 20 years. Although the party's testimony was different on some of the important facts, it was very clear that they lived together during some of those 20 years. The man spent some time in prison and traveled frequently from work. Uh, it was also clear that the cohabitation then wasn't every single day, not constant. The man also offered evidence that he owned a separate home. Well, okay, so that bids against the marriage uh, um, relationship being established. The woman, on the other hand, presented testimony that she and the man had signed vows evidencing their intent to be married. The man urged that he sign the paper only under duress for the woman. The woman testified that the man publicly called her his wife and that he did not correct her when she called him her husband. Nonetheless, the evidence showed that the parties used separate bank accounts, primarily used different surnames, didn't wear wedding rings, and never owned property together. The woman received public assistance based upon her income alone. So they they split up. After their relationship ends, the woman files a petition for a dissolution of marriage, asserting the existence of a common law marriage. The court found in her favor, awarding her $1,500 a month in alimony and a portion of the man's pension. On appeal, uh, the guy didn't like that, of course, the Court of Appeals affirmed they found in her favor again. They reiterated that the claims of common law marriage in Iowa are scrutinized carefully and that the burden of proof rests with the party asserting the claim, meaning the woman had to prove her case. The court examined the evidence in light of three elements that the Iowa Supreme Court ruled must be proved to establish a common law marriage. Number one, a present intent and agreement to be married by both parties. Number two, continuous cohabitation. And number three, public declaration that the parties are husband and wife. So after examining the evidence, the court found that the woman established all of those. The court found that she intended to be married and that the man's conduct reflected that intent, even though he said that was not the case now that he's you know, in this divorce mode, if you will. Second, the court found that the parties cohabited together continuously for many years. 
although it was clear that the man traveled for work extensively, that didn't uh, exclude that, uh, that finding. The evidence, in fact, supported the finding that he would return to the woman when not away from work. And finally, the court found that the two held themselves out publicly as married. This is what the court called the acid test of a common law marriage. Well, okay, um, let's go around all of the states, and I just want to whip off a whole bunch of these factors, any number of which could be considered in any given case. Whether the wife uses the husband's last name, or if it's husband and husband or wife and wife, whether one of them takes the other's last name. Whether uh, one party introduces him or herself as husband or wife, whether he or she introduces the other as his or her wife or husband, if friends and family believe them to be married, if one or both designate the other as a spousal beneficiary for the purpose of health or life insurance, if one or both designates the other as a surviving spouse for the purpose of a pension or retirement benefits, if one or both designate the other as their spouse in a will, trust, or estate plan, if one or both designates the other as a spouse on financial applications or for informational purposes, if they're designated as spouses for the purpose of auto insurance, if they file joint tax returns, if they have joint bank accounts, if they have joint credit cards, of course, this next one, if they're living together, titles to property such as if they own a home together, and last but not least, um, just simply what the entirety of their relationship looks like to others. Again, this is what we call marriage with no rings attached. All right. I want to get to really some important stuff about, you know, marriage, common law marriage with respect to IRS rules, regulations, taxes, that sort of thing. So here's the question. Do you have to be legally married to file married status for income taxes. The rules regarding marriage are some of the more complex in the Internal Revenue Service Code. You have to be legally married to file a joint married return, but beyond that, the issue isn't clear. Legally married has a lot of different nuances, and it doesn't involve just two people living together who have officially tied the, tied the knot. The IRS bars some legally married couples from filing together. Now, for tax purposes of filing under a married status, legally married includes married and living together, married but living apart without a legal separation, and in a common law marriage union, or legally separated. Very, very interesting and important distinctions, and I'm going to share with you, friends, do not do this on your own you must go get a, a, a lawyer or an accountant familiar with common law marriage to be able to make sure you're doing the right thing. Because if the IRS comes back and, and hits you with an audit, uh, you could be in for a sorry state. Filing a joint tax return. You can file a joint married return if you're legally married on December 31st of the year for which you're filing the taxes. It doesn't matter if you and your spouse no longer live under the same roof provided you're not separated or divorced by court order. You can establish two separate residences and still file a joint return. You're also married for tax purposes if your spouse dies during the year. 
You can file a joint return with him or her, but only for the tax year in which he or she died. Okay, the next status, filing unmarried for tax purposes. In some cases, you can be legally married, but considered unmarried for tax purposes. Okay, go figure. Isn't that fun? This can be advantageous if you want to qualify for head of household filing status, which offers a better standard deduction than if you file a separate married or single return. You're considered unmarried, even if you're still legally married, if you and your spouse stopped living together no later than June 30th of the year. You must also have paid more than half of the expenses associated with maintaining your home for the year, and a child who qualifies as your dependent must have lived with you for at least half the year. Woo, are you getting all this? Okay, well, the good and the fun part about this is that every one of my podcasts is transcribed, so you can go to my website and print this out if you'd like. Uh, You can find it on thelegalmerrygoround.com. Okay, continuing. Filing and common law marriages. The IRS recognizes common law marriages as legal marriages. A common law marriage exists if you and your partner live together as husband and wife, but there's a fine line between common law marriage and just living together. Obviously. A common law marriage involves a mutual agreement that you're married, as well as holding yourself out to society as husband and wife or husband and husband and wife and wife. I already went through all the states that recognize these marriages. Um, If you are legally married during 2018, you're considered married for tax purposes for the entire 2018 year, if as is the end of the year, December 31st, Uh, And this is just an example. I'm just picking this year. If you're married and living with your spouse, you live with your common law spouse in a state where common law marriages are recognized or in the state where the common law marriage began. You're married and living apart, but you're not legally separated under a court decree or you're married under a divorce decree that's not final. Woo. A lot of heavy stuff with the taxes and with Uncle Sam, right? Again, feel free to go to the website for this podcast, the legal Mary go round, all one word, dot com, and you can download the transcript of this show. And I'm going to share with you, while I'm very, very comfortable that I'm telling you the right stuff here, laws change. So do not one million percent rely upon what I'm saying. I believe it to be accurate as of today, but you always want to go and check with an accountant, a CPA, someone who understands the intricacies of the Internal Revenue Service Code. You know, uh, again, not to uh, start to pontificate, but isn't it true the government can change the rules at any time? You've seen it happen in your lifetime, and so have I. So before you start filing taxes and relying on one thing, understand that it could be the other, and that could come back and bite you in the behind. Get a tax attorney, get a CPA who understands it to make sure that your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. Okay, well then that kind of concludes my uh, podcast today for the common law marriage process. I hope that you and your wife or your husband uh, are happily, happily married forever in a day And if you don't have a ring, oh, come on, go and splurge, get each other rings. They're nice. 
best wishes to you. This is Marital Monday of the Legal Merry-Go-Round. I will be back on Wednesday for Wrongdoer Wednesday when I'll be talking about something in the world of criminal law. Best to you and thanks for your ear. Thanks for listening to the Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. Thank you.